I'm so glad to be back here. Some of you I know, some of you I don't know. And if I don't know you, that's incredible because I've gone, been gone for six months and that means that you have found your place here in the last six months and that is incredible. And so glad that God has brought you here. So glad that God is working in your lives. Um, so I just have this incredible opportunity now to, I work for the Ohio Ministry Network, and so it's a network of churches all across the state. We have 288 churches, and there's about 900 credential holding ministers, and so that's my job. My job is to support kids ministry and next generation ministries all across the state, and it's really important for you to know something today before I say anything else. It's really important for you to know something, that the church, that the kingdom of God is much bigger than what you experience right here, right now. You are part of what God is doing all across Ohio. That doesn't mean it's not important for you to be here because it's more important than ever for you to be here. It's more important than ever for you to be invested in the house of God. It's more important than ever for you to be doing what only you can do where only you can do it. However, the kingdom of God is really big. And I just want to remind you today, because sometimes we can get pigeonholed. Sometimes we can look in these little categories and we can go, okay, like, well, okay. But the kingdom of God is big, and it's expanding, and it's growing. Fun facts for you. Did you know that in the state of Ohio, the number of people that are under the age of 18 is 11 million? 11 million. So that means that you interact with that 11 million. That means that I interact with that 11 million, but I can't do it by myself. And that means that we have a generation of people that we better be investing in. Even if you think you don't like them, learn to like them. I'm serious. Because someday in 10 years, in 8 years, they're going to be the one that's working at the bank. And if you don't like them now, you're sure not going to like them then. Okay? Listen, I just need to tell you that this is what I get to tell churches. I get to visit churches. I get to see how churches do things differently. I get to see the things that I love and the things that I don't love. I get to experience the really, really high highs with churches. And I get to experience some really, really low lows in my job with people. I get to see the disappointments that happen in the body of Christ. But you know what? The exciting things outweigh the disappointments. 11 million so, before I preach this sermon, <laughs> I just want you to know you should be doing something. 11 million is a lot. 11 million is a lot. And unless if you do something about it, everyone else is going to do something about it. And so, we got we to gotta work towards that. So, all right. Anyway, so I'm just thankful to be here. I get to, you know, like I said, get to have the opportunity to visit churches. Next week, my boss is the one that's speaking, so, you know, you can heckle him all you want, and it's great times. Uh, so next week, uh, make sure you tell him just how awesome I am. I'm just kidding. That's so funny. Um, anyway, um, and you can be angry at him for asking me to leave Journey Church, but really, ultimately, we know that God is working here, and his plans are perfect, and so that's really what's happening. So um, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for Pastor Ken, and thankful for the continued support that he is in my life. Though I'm gone from this place, he has not gone from my life, and so I just want you to know that that guy's legit, and so, um, and I'm saying that as a person that doesn't work for him anymore, so that's saying something, right? Um, 
And so I just ask you to continue to pray and honor and support him as well. And the whole, of course, Pastor Aaron too, but you know. Here's the good news. He broke his phone, so he can't record scaring me right now. So I'm here for it. The Lord has provided. No. <laughs> Actually, it was just a miracle for me, so you're welcome. So sorry for your really expensive luck. Um, but anyway. All right, so today um, I apologize. My voice is a little crazy because I moved to Columbus and discovered that my body doesn't like trees. So here we are, allergies, but it's all good. So today um, I am going to talk to you about depending on God. And we're going to talk um, deeply about this subject. And usually I have lots of fun tricks. And I can explode things and grow things and all kinds of stuff in my sermons. But today it's going to be pretty straightforward. And I think there's really good reason for that. Because I think some of you that are in this room and maybe watching online are really needing to be reminded of the fact that you have to depend on God. That you have to depend on God. It seems so fundamental, but we forget this fact. We forget this and we live our lives, right? As the world goes, we get into robotic mode. We just go to work. We come home. We do the things. We wash the dishes occasionally. We go to the grocery store occasionally. Throw in a few movies maybe. And we just do these things rote all the time, right? We just do and we do and we do and we do. And before we know it, all of a sudden we're like, oh, where's God in my life? Well, God's this little side accessory that I sometimes slap on, like a sticker or a Band-Aid. When, when there's an ouchie in my life, let me just slap the Band-Aid on, right? Let me, mm, God, here we go, right? But what if we were to truly able to take our hearts and our, the posture of our hearts and say, I'm going to depend on God first, and out of that, everything else in my life will flow. And out of that, I'm going to change the perspective of how I see the world and therefore how I impact the world and how I follow after Christ. You know, we depend on a lot of things, right? You're depending on the chairs that you sit in right now. You're depending on the AC to work, the electric to work. We depend on the fact that Kroger is going to have groceries when we need to go and that we depend on our jobs. We depend on each other. We depend on relationships. We depend on everything all the time. All the time. We are dependent. We are dependent people in so many ways. So let me ask you this, though. When was the last time that you deeply thought about your dependency on Christ, on God? When was the last time you thought about where your hope comes from? Like legitimately thought about where does my hope actually come from? Does it come from the things that I use to placate my life, to medicate my life? Does it come from the things that I use to my outlet, so to speak, or does my hope truly come from God? Where does your joy come from? Oh, if I could just have a day off. Oh, if I could just make it to the lake. Those things aren't bad, but is that your sole joy? If that's your sole joy, we, we have a problem. We have a problem. Where do the deepest things inside of you come from? Where do they come from? Do they come from a place of just getting through life? And this, this is the rat race of getting through it. If that's the case for you, I get it. There are times in life that are like that. But what if in the midst of that, it was out of dependency on Christ that you actually were living and moving and having your being? Hey, it says that in Acts, in case you want to look it up. So think about a time in your life where you were completely dependent on God. I'm talking about the time, like, if he did not come through for you, it was going to be over. Can you think of that time? Think of that time where if not for God, it literally would have been over. It's powerful to remember those moments. 
It's power to, powerful to look at those and say that I was depending on God there, and it helps us to see where we've slipped away from those places. So today I'm going to ask you to deepen your dependency on God, but go beyond depending on God and being desperate for him. Because we can depend on things all day long. In fact, we do. Our car starting and everything. But we're not desperate. We're not desperate for our car to start, typically, unless we're running late. We're not desperate for the AC to be able to work, unless if it's really hot. But we're not desperate, but we need to be desperate for the things of God. And we're going to talk about what you do and what God does and how that all works together. But I wanted to tell you a little story about myself. So since January 20th of this year, I have been dependent on God in a way that I never had been dependent on God. So I, my last Sunday at Journey Church was January 9th, my first Sunday, or my first Monday of working at my new job, January 10th. And I had 10 days to get my first major event with thousands of ministers all across the state of Ohio set to go, learn a new job, and, oh, by the way, I moved to Columbus, and, and, and. And as a crazy day was, loading a trailer in zero-degree weather, doing a bunch of stuff, lifting boxes, I was having a conversation with the youth department about incident reports. And I said, oh, sure, you can just use my incident report forms. I've got them printed. And I stepped like this, and I turned backwards, and I heard a loud, only it was much louder than what I just did into the microphone. And in my mind, I thought, that didn't really just happen. But then the next thought was, yep, that really did just happen. So I finished the conversation, and everyone that was around said, so what was that noise? And I was like, yeah, that was my leg. That was my right leg. And someone who, the person that works as our operations director said, can you stand? And I went to go like this. I was like, nope, can't stand. And it was in that moment in time where every kind of emotion you can possibly think of came to my mind at one time. I thought to myself, what am I going to do? Why did this happen? I was angry and sad and everything all at the same time. So my mind thinks, okay, I'm going to just overcompensate for this. So we, I, I iced it for like 45 minutes. And then I got up to, I attempted to get up to do something and I went to step and I like, practically fell over under the chair and instant pain flooded over my body and I was like well this is going to be a long night also I'm supposed to leave for an event in 24 hours that started a series of urgent cares and hospitals and doctors and you might have a blood clot and surgery and you don't have to do this but yeah you might have to do that you can't do this da, 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 da. do you know that you have a muscle in your leg and the physical therapist in the room probably going to correct me but that's okay uh it's called your gastrocnemius did I say that right Gastroc, okay. So do you know that you have a muscle in your leg called that? Do you know that it's like a flat fish and that it can tear and roll into your leg? Yeah, because I do. I know that that's the case. And that's what tore that day. And it started a series of events where I was absolutely dependent on everything for everybody. I couldn't drive because it was my right leg. I couldn't even stand long enough. I was in a boot. I had to go in a wheelchair. Taking a shower was interesting. I mean, all of the things that happened. And I quickly realized that in the midst of my independence, and I'm going to do this new job, I'm going to take on the world, that I literally had nothing. I had nothing. Because I couldn't do anything by myself. Literally. 
And so I would say to you today that maybe there's something in your life that maybe there's a muscle that's torn in your life and you've tried to avoid the pain and you've tried to avoid the hurt, but I would say to you, what if your dependence on Christ is such that today that makes all the difference in the world? We could tell stories. I could ask, we could probably interview all of you that would be willing to talk, right? And say, what is the story? When, when, was you, when were you dependent on God? But today I want to just give you some practical, practical things. Because it's not enough to just talk about being desperate for God. It's talking about how to do it. So here are some practical ways to really depend on God. The first one is going to be earth-shattering. It is you do your part. You do your part. So God's not like the genie, right? We talk about this, that God's not the genie in the sky, that we just ask him for three wishes, and then he might grant us a fourth, and da-da-da-da-da. You've got to do something, my friends. You have to do something. You participate in your dependence on God. You participate because you can choose whether or not you engage in this way. How do you do this? How can you do your part? The first thing I would tell you, and if you have notes, you can just write this on the back. The first thing I would tell you is consider yourself dead to sin. Dead to sin. Consider yourself dead to sin. You might be thinking like, okay, cool, I've heard this sermon 500 times. But we still have to have this conversation. Because some of us are not still dead to sin. And, and what happens is we are dead to one sin and then the next one becomes blaringly obvious, right? Like, oh, okay, right? Check it out. Check out what Romans 6, 8 through 14 says. All right, Romans 6, 8 through 14. It says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin. I'm sorry, I got myself confused. The, to, the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to Christ, to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let any sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. So is there something that you are tripping over in life? An offense, a bitterness, something that you want to hold on to? A drama vortex? Let's just be real. Consider itself dead. Consider those things dead. When things are dead, they're not alive. Earth shattering. But you know what we do? We water a lot of things that we think we've given to God, but we water them because we're like, oh, just, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, just one more time that I'll watch that show. You know, just one more time. Oh, just, just one more time will I say that word that I don't actually mean, but is truly what I actually mean, right? Just one more time. You know, in verse 8, if you look at it right there, if you highlight that or circle that, it says that you can live with Christ and the power over sin. Because of who Christ is, he, did the, he has the victory. And as a son and daughter of Christ, you have victory too. That's actually how it works. It's a residual benefit of being a follower of Jesus. God didn't say to you, come, follow me. Give up those sins, and then hopefully you can figure it out. 
He's there with you. Verse 13, it gives us this piece of information, right? If we offer ourselves to God as his instruments, he will do it multiple times, multiple ways. Do you ever look at the, like a, a verse or concept in the Bible and go, why is it saying that again? I've heard that five times. You know, like, I just read that. Or like, I just read that over and over and over again. Basically, it's saying essentially the same thing over and over again. You know why I'm convinced that that's the case? Because we don't get it. We don't get it. We have to hear things different ways, different times, right? That's how it goes. My administrative assistant, her name is Katie, and sometimes she will look at me with this look on her face, and I know I've totally lost her. She's gone. I don't know where she's at, but she's not there. Okay? So here's the thing. She'll get this look on her face, and I'll be like, do you need me to say it differently? And she's like, yeah. And I'll try again. So I'll say it differently. And sometimes the look doesn't change. Sometimes it's still gone. If you have kids, you've seen the look, right? Well, they gone. They don't understand. Clue what I'm saying, right? Relationships work like this too. People are just gone and you're like, oh, okay, I should say this differently. So here's the thing. When I say it then again differently, it makes sense. What if in considering yourself dead to sin, you did your part to say, God, here I am again, and here's this thing. I dealt with this first one, but here's another one. Here's another one. And maybe sometimes God's like, I've been trying to say it to you again differently. You haven't been listening. But if you do your part, perhaps it could be that he would help you. The second thing, to do your part, you're going to have to make your own notes, okay? Exercise your less of me, more of him muscle. That is not going to happen by itself. It's a muscle, okay? Let me tell you something about tearing a muscle in your leg. The first time you take a boot off after wearing it for a month and a half, it's atrophied. Okay, when a physical therapist says, Stan, can you put your leg up on this box? Your mind goes like this. Nope. Come on, you can do it. Nope. <laughs> Come on, you can do it. Nope, still can't do it. Until someone literally takes that and puts it on that box. Okay? Less of you, more of him. It's a muscle you got to exercise. We don't fall into this easily. It's not something that just happens time over time over time. You have to do your part. you got to do that. Maybe you, you know Romans 12 too. You know Romans 12 too. Bravo. If you don't, maybe you should learn it. Maybe you should be making this note. Here's what it says. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and perfect and pleasing. If you are exercising your less of me, more of him muscle, the character of God, who God is, will settle deep inside of you. It will happen like that because God will allow that to happen. Okay? Listen, if you want to know what God's will for you, as a pastor, you hear it all the time. I just don't know what God's will is. I just don't know what God's will is. This verse, I apologize. This verse says, let God transform your thinking, then you're going to know his will. It says it right there. Then you're going to learn to know his will. So if you want to know what God's will is, exercise your less of you and more of him muscle. Don't let that one get rusty. You're going to need it if you're going to walk this faith out. Do your part to depend on God by allowing him into your life. You know, this can be the practical things like holding your tongue instead of firing back at that person. 
That is exercising the muscle, okay? That is exercising the muscle of, oh, I should it. <laughs> I want to a lot. But because I'm dead to sin and I'm dead to the fact that I know that what's inside of me comes out of me, out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks, types, writes, or listens. That was my own version of that verse. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's taking the time to... Um, Instead of being self-centered, take time to listen to people that are around you. That 10 minutes with that obnoxious person, maybe you'd learn their story. Maybe you would learn that there's something more inside of them, and the thing that you thought was annoying actually isn't. But it's not going to be until you say, I'm going to exercise this muscle of less of me and more of him. Because who knows that that person you have a conversation with would not be the person that God would dramatically use you to help lead their life or encourage them or change their life in some way, shape, or form. The power of getting to know a person and saying, I don't want to just this to be about me. In June, I was on a missions trip in the state with a bunch of teenagers, um, and we were in Youngstown, and I was listening to the director of this inner city ministry. She was talking to me. And the truth of the matter is, in that moment, my leg was hurting. I was really thirsty because the building had no air conditioning. There was heat advisories, all that fun stuff. There was a lot of moments in that time where it was a lot about me. My mind was thinking a lot about me. And my mind was thinking about where are 20 teenagers right now. My mind was thinking, are all the leaders doing what they should be doing? My mind was thinking, how are we going to get all that stuff out of that dumpster in order that the people will actually pick it up? My mind was thinking a lot of things, but my heart had to say, stop and listen. And you know what? The director of that center began to pour out her heart to me, and I would have missed an opportunity to minister to her because I was being selfish. My friends in this room... Maybe I'm not your friend because you don't know me, or maybe you want to be my enemy. That's fine. I don't care. Uh, but anyway, hey, here's the thing. We, in order to depend on God, we got to do our part to let him be more and us be less. It's countercultural, but you can do it, I promise. And maybe the last, and the last part that I want to say about this is to practice obedience. To practice obedience. Have you ever taught a child to do something, right? Have you ever taught them, hey, whenever I say to stop, I need you to stop immediately. It's for your safety. And then the next 17 times, they don't do that. What do you have to do? You have to practice teaching them obedience, right? Guess what? You all are tall toddlers because we do this. We forget and we don't practice our obedience to Christ. We don't. And I'm going to tell you something else. If you want to be more dependent on God, those things that are, that are giving you those hang-ups, those hurts, those offenses, all those things that you are trying to, to allow to be dead to sin in you, you can't go back to the places where those things reside. Okay? So here's what I'm going to say. Listen. Practice obedience and self-control so that you can do your part to depend on God. Don't put yourself in a situation with the person that the sin comes alive with, right? Don't go there. Don't go back to the place that you always end up afterwards going, well, God, here I am again. I messed up again. Stop it. Stop it. 
Practice the obedience of saying, God, I am going to step back and I'm going to say, I'm going to do my part here because I want to depend on you for strength. I'm not going to go back to that relationship that I would rather have because I'm going to depend on you to bring a different person, place, scenario to me. Is it going to happen instantly? Probably not, but that's why you practice obedience. Right? I might need to drink water. Sorry. Practice obedience. This is fine. I'm sorry. Trees. I'm not the Lorax. Okay. Uh, sorry. I just lost my whole train of thought. You're welcome. But listen, Proverbs in the Bible has a lot to say about this, okay? Proverbs has a lot to say about this. You might want to write these two down. Proverbs 1, seven. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. It's going to take practicing discipline to not go back to the place that the, the sin comes alive. It's going to take practice to not go back to, well, the last time I just had one drink and it didn't go so far. It's going to take practice and self-discipline of those things, my friends. You're going to have to work at it. Proverbs 1.10 gives us this. My child, if a sinner entices you, turn your back on them. You don't have to do that in a jerk face way. You don't have to be like, well, you're a sinner and all this other stuff and attitude and all that other stuff. You don't have to ruin the reputation of Christ in order to turn your back on a sin. Okay? You do not have to do that. However, you can take that moment in time and say, I'm going to turn my back on this, and you know what? It will be okay. If there's a season of loneliness that follows, I'm here to tell you, somebody in the room, that it's okay because you are depending on God. And if you're depending on God, that's all that matters, truly. All right. Get yourself some people who are God-fearing that are going to push you that way. They're going to push you to practice obedience. They're going to push you to, to live this less is more, you know, less of me, more of him lifestyle. They're going to push you to say, you know, when we're driving down the road and we see that situation where we could respond in compassion and be the hands and feet of who Jesus is, we're going to actually stop and do something about it. Get you the people that are those kind of people, not the, well, it's okay, they're probably just a drug addict anyway, people. You don't need that. You need your compassion you need your heart of God, your character of who God is, people around you, because they'll spur you on that way, and vice versa also happens. All right, the second part. I've got good news for you is that God does his part, and everyone goes, <sighs> okay? So there are things that we have to do, but in the, in the end of it all, <coughs> God does his part. He's powerful. He understands. He sees. He knew that thing was going to happen to you before you ever even knew it. He knew the people that were gonna, you were going to encounter in your life. He knew the choices, and he loved you anyway. And he loves you anyway in perpetual motion. He loves you anyway. Psalm 33, 4. Write this one down. Psalm 33, 4. For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. As your dependence on God grows, your spiritual maturity grows, your habits change, and you start to look more like he does. You become more dependent on him, and your dependence becomes desperation to see him move. Your dependence on him to see your kids grow up healthy and happy and whole and all those things becomes desperation for him to move in the lives of your children. 
It becomes desperation for him to move in your community where you see people that are brokenhearted. It becomes desperation for you to look at him and say, I want to be part of what you're doing. I am desperate to see you move. Listen, 11 million under 18-year-olds. I desperately need God to move in the hearts of people in his church to reach those people. Because just because I have an office that sits and I get to contact people and help support churches and do events like the 900 campers that are coming to me on Friday, okay, pray for me, uh, <laughs> just because I get to do those things does not mean that I can do it by myself. God does his part. God does his part. God meets you there. Hey, maybe you're in a place where you're like, God, I don't understand you. I don't even like you. I'm a little angry at you. You know what I used to tell people all the time when I'd have that conversation? Because some of you in the room I literally have had that conversation with. I'm okay with that. And you know why I'm okay with that? Because that means that you are working it out. I'm not okay with you staying that way. I'm not okay with that being the hill that you die on. I'm not okay with that being bitterness. I am okay with you working it out because God will do his part. He is faithful. He is true. His word can be trusted. So you do your part. You wrestle with him and he will do his. I promise you that. It might not look how you want it to or how you thought. God will meet you there. He is up ahead of you. So I've been reading Psalms this summer, um, just studying the book of Psalms and just doing that because, man, it's something you should do. If you're, if you're totally at a loss and you want to just, like, learn about the character and nature of God, just read the book of Psalms, like, and actually read it and gauge it. So this is what Psalm 123, verse 1 says. I lift my eyes to you, O Lord, enthroned in heaven. And now that's kind of a fancy phrase, but there have been days this summer since I've been reading the Psalms where I'm like, I lift my eyes to you, O Lord. Because I don't know how that budget line is going to fit that budget line. Because I'm in ministry. And my budget for that kid's camp is not matching up. Right? Lord, I'm looking to you. And so, when I, I do my part, when he does, he does his part. He does his part. He meets me there. Check this out. I'm going to read Psalm 124. It's going to be on the screen. Look at this imagery. It's amazing. What if the Lord had not been on our side? Let all of Israel repeat. What if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us? They would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. The waters would have engulfed us. A torrent would have overwhelmed us. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Praise the Lord who did not let their teeth tear us apart. That's intense. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Our help is from the Lord who made the heaven and earth. What have you walked through that had God not done his part, you would be much like that psalmist described, that their teeth would have torn you apart. God does what he does and the trap is broken. He does his part. Isaiah 58, 11, in the English Standard Version, the ESV Version says, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your de desire in scorched places and will make your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. 
Do you feel a little dry and worn out with this life? Do you feel like everything comes at you and, oh my goodness, would they stop giving me news headlines about XYZ and everything else under creation? That is, feels like a drought sometimes. But when we're depending on God and we say, I can't do this, but I know that you can and I know that you are faithful in the process. I know that it might look different. What would it be like for you to depend on God in that way? All throughout the Bible, we see the plan where God has given that throughout history. There's not an arrival plan, though. Unfortunately, your checked bags will not arrive at gate, claim, whatever it is, five. However, God is with you. Let me address something really quickly. Am I allowed to say this? I'm going to. What if you feel like you did your part, but God didn't do his? What if you felt like that? I'm going to tell you this. Keep fighting. Keep fighting with the part that you need to do until you see God do his part. Because maybe you're looking for God to do his part one way, and God's over here like, I've been here all along. You just didn't look because you were so fixated on it looking like this. Keep fighting for that. Why are there injustices and pain and sickness and all these things? Guess what? I don't know. I do know that we live in an even evil, fallen world, right? Sin is our core nature. However, keep fighting, my friends. If you feel, are here today and you feel that stinging pain of disappointment with God, give it to him. Give it to him and keep fighting. Don't lay down and die. Lay down and die to your sin, yeah, but not to him and his work. So we depend on God in this way. We say it is our part and his part, and together I'm going to encourage you this. In order to become more dependent on God, tell the story. Tell the story. As you depend more on God, you will grow. And as you grow, people will see. So tell the story. When you do the work that you need to do, they will see him increase in you. And as they see him increase in you, tell the story. That this is not on my own strength. That this is through who Christ is in me. And therefore, you are making Jesus famous. Therefore, you're bringing more people to him. And isn't that the whole purpose anyway? As you allow God to work in your life, you will know his character. Tell people the story of what he's doing in you. Now, I want to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask you to interact with me, okay? If you are in this room right now, and in the last six months, so since January, you have seen God do a miracle in some way that would not have happened other than knowing full, full stop that it's God. I want you to just raise your hand. I won't ask you to. Okay, now look around. Keep your hands up. Now look around at people. Okay? Okay, you can put your hands down. You know what we just did? We told the story of the faithfulness of God. Because sometimes we get in a vortex and we're like, God, I depend on you, but I don't think you're answering. I don't think you're answering to God. And he's like, look, I'm working. I'm doing things. And all these people that raise their hands, he's working. He's doing things. Hey, have any of you experienced something financially that you should not have otherwise experienced since January? Anybody? All right. Yeah. Look at your hands. Look. Just six months, and look at what God is doing. Yes, because he's always at work, because his character and his nature are true. We can depend on what he said. That might, you didn't have your hand up because you're still like, uh, I don't know. But it doesn't mean you can't do it. 
So those are just two instances. I could stand here and tell lots of stories. Let's, have any of you seen relationships restored that you otherwise were like, nope, that one's down the tank? Right? Anybody? See? See? God is at work. So what if we told the story? What if we depended on him in such a way that we told that story so that people saw his faithfulness and not just so other people saw that faithfulness because sometimes you get to tell your soul what to think. I don't always get up every morning and I'm like, good morning, Lord, what are we going to do today? Right? Sometimes I get up and I go, oh, I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. Your brains probably don't work like mine, but I'm like, I have to, I have to, I have to. I've got seven tasks lists before my eyes open sometimes. What if I depended on him? All right, last verse. Romans 8, 6 through 10. You're going to see it on the screen. I want you to soak this in. Okay? So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees, and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God and the good land he has given you. Psalm 115. Verse 1, not to us, O Lord, not to us, not to your name or the name of a church, but to your name, O Lord, goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. May this be the story that my life tells, that I will continue to depend on God, that I believe that he is at work, and because I believe he's at work, I'm going to tell the story of his faithfulness. I'm going to be desperate to move where he wants me to move and do what he wants me to say, and may that be true of you too, but I can't make that decision for you. If I could, it'd be so much easier. I promise. May it be true of you. So I want you to close your eyes as we get ready to end. I just want you to sit with that for a minute. <laughs> Let that marinate deep inside your heart. Maybe you're here and you have not yet given your life fully to Christ. You have not yet said, God, I depend on you for everything, literally even my salvation. I sin. I've done wrong. In this moment, you can say, I confess to you my sin because I know that you can handle it. And I choose to, for to, to forego those things and to follow after you. And you know what, in this moment, you would become a follower of Jesus if you choose that and live in that. And if you are making that decision right now, I want you to mark that on a connection card later. Let that simmer and marinate in your heart. Maybe you're here and you're like, God, I need God in a deeper way. I need to be shaken out of my complacency. Maybe you're here and you need to ask God for forgiveness for lazy followership. Perhaps you're here and you say, you know what, I have been lazy, but I don't want, I don't want to do it. Do you know you can ask God even right now for the desire and the longing to be dependent on him? Some of you have a story to tell and you have not yet done it. And the Holy Spirit even now is telling you exactly who it is that you need to tell that story to. So let me pray, and as I pray, we're going to play a song just to close, and Pastor Aaron will come after that. This song is the song called Make Room, 
And as the words play, they're simple words on a screen, but I want you to take these words and let them be part of your heart. If you need to come here and pray because you need to walk away from the context you're in right now and pray and dedicate yourself, do it. If you need to turn around in your chair and kneel down, do it. If you need to stand up, do it. I don't care what you do. I mean, I do care, but um, I'm going to challenge you to make room for him to speak and not just to carry this as words that you heard today from a message with a person with a broken voice, but truly to create life change. So as I pray, we're going to get ready to play this song, and I'm going to ask that you guys to respond, okay? God, I thank you that in these moments, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you have met us. You have challenged us. I thank you that you remind me, even through the words that I say to a group of people that are followers of Jesus, that I have to depend on you. I pray, God, that we, in this moment, we would um, not be lazy, that we would allow ourselves to, to, to die to sin, that we would exercise our muscle of less of me and more of you, that we would practice obedience, God, that we would see your faithfulness, that we would recognize that you do things powerful beyond what we can ever know or dream of. I pray, God, that even right now, your Holy Spirit would just do the work that needs to happen. Shake us from our complacency. We depend on you, and may we be desperate for you. And may it change us. Like from the bottom up, let may it change us. In your name, Jesus, amen. Okay, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, to don't just do the thing where, that all the kids will do. Like that and look at this screen. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and listen if you need to. To move yourself into a place. It's only a little over four minutes. You can do this and then service will be over.
Lord, give us the strength to, to make room for you. Not just on Sunday when it's easy, but Monday through Saturday. Lord, when our schedule is, is full, when our, our time is restricted, when our thoughts are occupied, when our day is busy, when our minds are distracted, and when we're all over the place, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Lord, may we still make room for you, be dependent upon you. Grant us that, Lord. Give us the strength in that to fight that battle. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen.